Hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today. Normally, today is a day I cover the headlines, but yesterday I had my friend Kathy Cook on the show. So today I'm going to answer some listener questions. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right, so I'm glad you guys have joined me. If you would like your question addressed on the show, the way to do that is very simple. Just go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash Mailbox Monday, and you will find a form there to submit your questions. We really like to tackle the questions that you are asking, particularly as they relate to the culture, as they relate to, you know, how should we live in the culture as Christians who are committed to the authority of Scripture and want to live out our lives the way that God would want us to live them out. So in that, uh, in the spirit of that, I'm going to go ahead and jump right into your questions today. Thank you guys for submitting them. The first one comes from Erica in Florida. Uh, she said, hi, Heidi, thank you for being awesome and speaking so boldly about God's truth. Well, thank you, Erica. I appreciate that. We can be members of the Mutual Admiration Society today. I have been so discouraged about a pastor in our community who is an acquaintance of ours, whose message a few days ago was all about Pride Month and how he was going to honor it. He preached that there is nothing wrong with this lifestyle and that he even considers it to be holy. I know this man and his family very well, and when I confronted him about the message, he said that after long and careful consideration and studying of the word, he came to the conclusion that same-sex relationships are not a sin. I said that the Bible is very clear about what God thinks about this, to which his wife sent a couple of articles and a few other things that the Bible clearly says, but we don't practice anymore. Curious how you would approach this. I have responded with all the verses in the Bible that talk about sexual immorality, of which he is very familiar, yet stands by his statement. It makes me sad that the deception is so deep. All right, so first of all, Erica, a couple of things that I have come to know and understand, especially when we're talking about issues like this. When someone claims to be a pastor, and says that they no longer hold to the authority of Scripture, which is really what your your pastor friend is saying, it's time to find a different church because these these types of churches, this you know this this woke ideology, you know, I was talking about this last week at the show. How do you determine which churches are woke and which churches are not woke? This is a sure sign that this guy's got massive issues with the authority of Scripture. Massive issues with his understanding of what God's word says, because God's word is very, very clear on the issue of homosexuality. This is why I have taken so much time to talk here about the differences between men and women. God said, I made you male and female in my image. But what we're seeing right now is a theological, what I would call a campaign of misinformation. Some people call it revisionist gay theology, but this is playing out in denomination after denomination with increasing discord. So beginning in the mid 20th century, a systematic questioning of clear scriptural teaching on homosexual behavior began to take place in the church. Uh, recalling the serpent's question to Eve in Genesis 3. Did God really say? This is the basis for so many issues that we're facing in the culture right now. Did God really say? Did he really mean it? The apostle Paul, in giving instruction to Timothy, so remember, Paul has been training up Timothy. He is a, a, a like an intern, sort of a protege. Paul coming to the end of his life. Young Timothy was getting ready to take his place on the battlefield. And Paul looked at him and said, listen, Timothy, a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound doctrine, to sound teaching. 
but instead they will listen to whatever their itching ears want to hear, and they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Paul is saying a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound teaching, and that's exactly where we are right now. Paul knew that Timothy was going to undoubtedly face this in his ministry, and we are facing it too. So the intended effect of revisionist gay theology is really to disengage the church from the wider cultural debate about homosexuality. And what do they do? They redefine it as this uh, so-called pastor friend of yours is doing, calling it holy, right? They're going to redefine what God says is sin by saying this is God-ordained, it's morally permissible, and just like the serpent's temptation to Eve in the garden, uh, leaders in the, quote, gay Christian movement are tempting us with the same question. Did God really say, did God really say that homosexuality is a sin? So let's look. Let's see what the Bible absolutely says. In Romans chapter 1, verses 26 to 27, and again, I'm going to quote the same scripture that I'm sure you sent to your pastor friend who he's not interested in what the Bible says, because this is there, there are some issues that I think that Christians debate over. We've talked about uh, doctrinal issues, some things that that Christians have struggled with and debated over, and came to different conclusions about for generations. Homosexuality is not one of them. Now, that doesn't mean that you condemn the homosexual or that you are unkind. We all have struggles with sin in our lives, right? And God does not differentiate. God does not say this sin is worse than that sin. He says that sin separates us from God. So we need to know what, what, how does God look at our lives? How, what does God view as sinful? How can we walk in right, uh, in a right relationship before the Lord? So in Romans chapter one, verses 26 to 27, the Bible says, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and we're consumed with lust for one another. Uh, and so the Bible teaches us that homosexuality is a result of denying and disobeying God. And frankly, this man who claims to be a Bible teacher is not teaching the, the word of God anymore. When people continue in sin and unbelief, the Bible says that God literally gives them over to even more wicked and more depraved sin to show them the futility and the hopelessness of life apart from God. One of the fruits of rebellion against God, according to the Bible, is home, is homosexuality. First Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality. They claim that these guys are transgressing before the Lord. And so a person can be born with a propensity towards homosexuality. Every single one of us comes into this life with issues. We are, we are in a fallen world until uh, the return of the Lord. We are gonna be, we're going to be struggling with our own sin nature. And so what we're, what we're watching happening, and frankly, it's increasing. I see it more and more in the church. What we're watching happening is a removal, a, a, a removal of what God actually says in his word, and we're replacing it with emotions. Well, uh, this is what, and we're we're questioning whether or not God actually means it when he says something. And I'm going to link to a couple of articles. Focus in the Family has a great series on this, talking about the, the broad categories and the arguments of the gay revisionists and what they're employing to cast doubt on God's word. And they're not just doing this with regard to homosexual behavior, but this is absolutely 
one of the most important conversations that we are having in the culture right now because it's such a clear directive of God. And if people who claim the name of Jesus can cast doubt on whether or not God really meant it when he repeatedly declared that marriage was his idea, marriage is between a man and a woman, homosexual behavior is wrong. And again, this is not me elevating the sin of homosexuality above any other sin. I'm just saying, for goodness sake, we have got to stop listening to these so-called preachers that are going to disregard the word of God in an effort to make themselves feel better and grow their churches. We've got huge problems in the culture right now, largely because we have a generation of Christians who do not know God's word. Uh, There's an awesome article, as usual, over at gotquestions.org, and I will link back to that uh, in the show notes today. But remember that the Bible teaches us that we have all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And so it doesn't matter if the temptation to sin is by lying or by cheating or by sexual immorality, whether it's uh, homosexual sex or straight sex. We, there, is, there is a plan that God has given us. There are rules that God has given his creation. And like I told you many years ago when I shared the story about my conversation with the gentleman I met on an airplane who asked me this very question, my, my answer to him, the bottom line answer was, I believe that I have a creator and having a creator changes everything. If I have a creator, then surely he knows what's best for me. If I have a creator, then he understands what is good for me and what is bad for me. And his word is very, very clear uh, that the Bible teaches that homosexuality is a sin. So if you've, if you've got a pastor friend who says, eh, God didn't really, God doesn't really mean it, I would absolutely be finding a different church. I wouldn't sit under the teaching of that guy for one more second. He is a large part of, of what is wrong with the church today when we step away from the authority of scripture. And frankly, you know, someone said to me, well, it's so brave to do that. No, it's not. It's so much harder and it takes so much more courage to say, no, this is what the Bible says. And this is what I'm going to, uh, I'm going to stand on this. I'm going to rely on it because this is what God's word says. In Romans 12, verse two, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Remember, we are not to uh, gratify the desires of the flesh, as the apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter chapter five, rather, he said, walk in the spirit that you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Again, the Bible does not describe homosexuality as a sin that's greater than any other sin. All sin is offensive to God. But as Christians, we must stand on the authority of Scripture and what God clearly says in his word. Anything else is to step away from the truth and to water it down. And then you wind up with something I call sloppy agape and a woke church. I'm going to take a quick break. I'll be right back. Next question comes from an anonymous listener in Georgia, and she wrote and said, Heidi, how do you deal with family members and or friends who are negative about pregnancy in a large family? Well, first of all, I just like to tell you, it's just none of their business. My husband and I have heard every snide remark probably known to man when it comes to families over the years. And I just tell people don't listen because the the reality is that, that the truth of what you're doing and the love that you have for your children is going to bear so much more fruit that is not going to make any difference at all. 
what these people say about you or about your family or about the size of your family. We want to know what does God say? That's the most important thing. That's why when we started the show today and the question was coming from a a man who claims to be a Christian saying that homosexuality is good and right and holy, right? And every other, you know, stupid thing that these guys say, what we want to do is go back to the word. And that's what we did for homosexuality. And that's what we do for children. So let's look at it. Let's see what does God say about children? Well, the first thing we know about children is that they are part of God's creative plan. Listen to this, Genesis 1, 28. God said to them, Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. So after creating Adam and Eve, God commanded that they should be fruitful, that they should have children. The original design included families and children, and kids were not an afterthought. So everything about creation was pronounced good, including God's design for children. The Bible says in Psalm 127 that children are a gift. Psalm 127, verse 3, children are a gift from the Lord, a reward. Uh, In some translations, I believe the NIV says that children are a heritage. A heritage comes from the root meaning to get or to inherit. And so it's an honor and a responsibility to be entrusted with a little one from the Lord. So we stand behind, uh, we stand beside the Lord when we shepherd and we grow our children, we nurture them in the admonition of the Lord. We advocate on their behalf. We provide for their needs while they're in our care. The Bible says our children are a blessing. They are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward. And that is how we should look at them. Uh, it's never an issue, by the way, at least not from what I understand in Scripture. There's not a certain number of children that is good or bad. You know, God said, be fruitful and multiply. He didn't say have seven children or have six children or have 10 children. It's not a competition or it shouldn't be. But what we should do is look at children as a gift and a blessing. That's exactly what the Bible says that they are. We are responsible. As I talked about with my friend, Kathy Cook yesterday, we are responsible to train our children up, to give them the nurture and guidance that they need. When you plant vineyards or you plant bushes, right, uh, gardeners often attach them to a framework like a pole or a trellis in order to keep them from spreading out of control. Kids need a solid structure to keep their physical, emotional, social, and spiritual growth on track. So that means that we are present in their lives, that we support their growth and development, that we lead by godly examples. We can't pass on what we don't possess. And so mom and dad, that means that you should be in the word, that you should be growing. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, verse six, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Our children need discipline. Proverbs 29, verse 17, discipline your children and they will give you peace. And uh, it's so important. The Bible speaks to the need of Uh, Christians to engage in the culture, right? To help orphans and displaced and refugee children and children living in poverty, children who need special care. There's opportunities that we have to engage the culture, to help where we can help. And we're doing this. The church has actually done a, a phenomenal job for the most part in this, in protecting our kids and giving them opportunities to change their circumstances. This is why we love the Ministry of World Vision and Compassion International watching these organizations who in the name of Jesus are going into countries where children are disadvantaged and helping them and putting their feet on solid ground. And so when someone says to me, you already have five children, why why in the world would you have one more? My answer has always been, why would I turn down a beautiful gift from the Lord? That's what the Bible says our children are. And really outside of that, 
that's the end of it. As far as I'm concerned, there's nothing else to say. Our children are a gift and a blessing from the Lord. The Bible says that the fruit of the womb is a reward. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of arrows. And so that's a great, uh, that's a great question. And I think the answer is very simple. God loves children. His heart is for children. And really when people make fun of you for having a large family, just let it roll because they made fun of me and my husband. And I'm, I'm telling you what, still all these years later, very best decision my husband and I ever made apart from following Jesus was to have a passel of kids. And so I'm thrilled that we had a big family and I don't let anybody, I never talk people out of having babies. And frankly, you know, people who will make fun of you for having a large family or for wanting another child don't understand the blessing that children are. All right, Carrie in Georgia. She said, Heidi, I love your podcast so much. I'm constantly sharing it with my friends. Thank you, Carrie. I appreciate that. I'm struggling a bit with homeschool versus a public charter school, uh, the charter schools that are in the United States. My kids want to try it out this year as we've been homeschooling for a couple of years. We tried a co-op and it just didn't work out. The kids were unkind and my boys didn't make any friends. It's one of the only reasons they want to try school. They want to try and make some friends. I plan on letting them try it with the intention of bringing them back home if I see anything like critical race theory or social emotional learning that I've seen in the past. I'm feeling like a failure in the homeschool department. Am I wrong for letting my boys give this a try? I do not plan on being hands-off, that's for sure. So first of all, Carrie, as you've heard me say many times at the show, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you now, there's no way to avoid the kind of garbage that's in the public school system. No way to avoid critical race theory. No way to avoid social emotional learning is literally baked into the cake. That said, if you if you think that you can keep up with the indoctrination and the assault that's going to be coming against the minds of your children, I certainly understand their desire for friends. I mean, this was the whole reason that I started the homeschool cooperatives when my kids were little because I wanted them to have friends and I wanted them to have a, a network. It's it's very, very important. My huge beef with the public school system, and this includes charter schools, is that the funding that comes from the federal government includes funding for things like critical race theory and social emotional learning and comprehensive sex education and the 1619 project and the revisionist history that has taken over our school system. And so I don't see a way around it. That said, I'm not going to sit here and condemn you. You have to listen to the Lord. And if you want to let your kids give it a try, I would say uh, you got it. You're going to have to be there. That's one of the reasons why I was so happy that we started homeschooling, because I was at my daughter's school all the time. And when I had other children, by the time we had, you know, three children, it was too much for me to be home and taking care of a little baby boy and my uh, my little daughter and spend time at my daughter's school. And so bringing her home actually helped in that regard. I don't think that you can send your kids to a school and be anything more than completely hands-on. So I agree with you in that aspect of it. I'm going to continue to pray. I'll be praying for you as I pray for so many people that listen to this show that we would have discernment. You guys, I'm going to say this one more time just for fun. You don't get a second chance at raising your children. You got one shot, one shot at, at teaching them the truth, one shot at raising them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You get one opportunity don't waste it. If your kids are struggling with friendships, and we've heard this many times here at the show, um, go out of your way to help find good and godly friends. The Bible says that bad company corrupts good character. And this is this is no less true in homeschooling as it is in the public school or any Christian school. We want our kids to have good friends. And so mom and dad, you're responsible for helping to create that environment and to teach your children what it looks like 
to be discerning in their friendships. That's all that I've got time for today. I love getting your questions here at the show. You can shoot them to me at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash Mailbox Monday. Please leave reviews for the show wherever reviews are available. We've been going through and reading those. And as I uh, as I end the show today, I'm going to read just a couple of them off of Apple, which were sent to me by the staff. This one said, this is an eye opener. I started listening to Heidi back in 2020 and she opened my eyes to homeschooling. I didn't think I could do it. And on the days that it got hard, I would cry. Well, I'll tell you, I can relate to that. Uh, the Holy Spirit would then remind me to listen to Heidi's show. And every time she had something that I needed to hear, and now I've been able to keep going. That's my way from now on getting off the bench and onto the battlefield. I love that review. Thank you guys so much for leaving reviews for the show over at iTunes and for my books, anywhere that books are sold and for helping get the word out about this podcast. We have got to be committed to speaking the truth in love and getting off the bench and onto the battlefield. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic day. Love your families well, you guys. And I will see you back here again tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture.